Our reading is going to be from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 30. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the last day. Uh, then you'll be able. Then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered and when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think that it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent, whom you sent to take care of my needs." For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not, only on, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. And honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you, you yourselves could not give me. Good evening. My name's Jeff. I'm the pastor of Uni Church. Great to be with you tonight uh, to be looking at this passage. Uh, let's pray for God's help as we get underway. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of your Spirit, that we might read your Word, take it to heart and be changed by it. We pray that you would be at work in us this evening, uh, in ways even beyond what we can imagine. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I want us to work out who to look up to. So much of the Christian life is caught, not just taught, and so we're doing it all the time. We're looking around and, and seeing who we should be like. Uh, we work out how to live a lot by the people around us. And you copy the people you look up to. So tonight I want us to be able to find someone to model ourselves on as a Christian. And it'll help so much. Uh, because we'll do it right. We'll use the Bible's criteria for what we ought to be looking for in someone to look up to, and not just our own criteria. If it was up to me, I would probably look for someone who played a cool guitar, and that would be the person I look up to. 
but we want to see what the Bible has to say. So tonight, as we dig into this passage, we're going to see our task, uh, what it is uh, that is in front of us as we live the Christian life. What is our task? And then second, this passage gives us three templates, three examples of what it's like to live that life. The task and three templates. The task is there in verse 12. Uh, Why don't you read it with me if you've got the Bible open. Therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That's the task. Work out your salvation. Uh, And it's got to do with obedience. You see that? As you have obeyed, continue to work out. Work out your salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but kind of makes me feel slightly uneasy. It feels like uh, we're earning our salvation. you just got to achieve it, and if you achieve enough, uh, then you'll be saved. What does Paul mean here? Well, he's not talking about some standard of behaviour, some exam that if we get over 50%, uh, then somehow that will earn us God's favour. That's not how it works. Uh, They've been saved. They've trusted in the Lord Jesus. But now... He says, continue to work out your salvation. They do need to keep on going with that. They do need to keep hold of Christ and keep obeying Him, continuing to obey. And they need to keep doing it right to the end. That's what Paul means by working out their salvation. It means persevering in Christ, continuing to trust Him, pressing on in the Christian life. They need to do that, right? But it's only possible, see that, because of verse 13, for, that is, keep working, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil His good purpose. See, the reason they're to work is because God's at work. If there was underlining in the Bible, it would be the word God. God is the important word in that verse. God, it is God who works in you. That would be highlighted, underlined, stars all around it. It is God who works in you. He doesn't just save the Philippians. He also keeps them going in their salvation. See that? Uh, He gives them the willingness to keep going. He gives them the power to keep going, to will and to act, to want to obey Christ, to keep on repenting uh, when they fall down. And they can do that because God is working in them. That's where the power comes from. And notice, he addresses them all. It's a communal thing. Uh, he says, dear friends, it's, it's you guys, yous. Uh, they need to do it all as individuals, but it's something that they work out together. Work out your salvation, each of you, together. And that's why in verse 14, they're told that they shouldn't grumble or argue. They're things that you do amongst yourselves. They're the kind of things that destroy a community and will stop the Christians in Philippi from working out their salvation. And it'll totally skewer us as well here at Union Church. Start grumbling about your hub group, start arguing over the cooking roster and watch that community crumble. Instead, uh, 
Paul tells the Philippians to aim for purity, pure and blameless. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So the reference there to children of God and grumbling is like a callback to Israel in the wilderness. Uh, they were meant to live as children of God, people who'd been saved out of Egypt, uh, brought through the Red Sea, and then they get to the wilderness and they grumble. Oh, why'd you bring us out here? I wish we were back in Egypt. But they were meant to live as God's special people, God's holy people, under His holy law. And they fail. And Paul points back to that and says, that's the pattern, but don't be like that. You've been rescued. Uh, You've been made children of God. So live that out. Work out your salvation. Don't turn on each other and start grumbling like Israel did. Be what God has made you. If you're someone who trusts in Jesus, be what God has made you. And notice the purpose there. The task is to work out their salvation and the purpose is to impact the world around them. That's, that's what will happen, right? The culture around them is warped and crooked. And so they're meant to stand out. Uh, a light of purity in that warped and depraved world around them. Paul says they're to be like stars. I want us to get a sense of that. So I'm going to go turn the lights off. Can we get a slide? Flair for the dramatic. Uh, I love this photo. This is a photo taken by a Perth guy. Uh, he's a bank manager here in, in the city. And on random nights, he drives hours out into the country, leaves his wife and kids in bed, and uh, sets up these incredible night sky photos. This one's out near Cervantes. And that is the picture of the Christian life. That's what Paul is putting in front of the Philippians. Work out your salvation and then this will be what you're like, shining like stars in a dark world as you hold out the word of life. It kind of has a double meaning that he means hold it tightly for yourself, hold it firmly, but hold it out just like this guy. He has these huge lights and he, he holds them and he stands himself in the shot and it's like that. Hold out the word of life in this crooked and depraved generation around. People who don't know the Lord, who don't know what it's like to have God at work in them, willing them to obey Him and to live out the new life that they've been called to. And if the Philippians do this, right, that will impact the world. They will stand out. They will look different. And the gospel... The good news of Jesus will shine out into dark places. That is the task.
I have 10 lots left. Pitcher doesn't have quite the same impact with the lights on, does it? So that's the task. Living out lives as children of God, living in obedience to Christ, living with purity, holding out the gospel, or to sum it up, work out your salvation. But as well as the task, uh, Paul gives these three templates. Uh, he puts uh, himself, Timothy, and Epaphroditus into the letter at this point. And uh, at one level, it's just kind of part of the flow of what he's saying, but I think it's intentional. He wants to share something of his life and, and point, at, point out Timothy and Epaphroditus and show something of their heart so that they might see that and see a model, see a template, something that they might be as they work out their salvation. So have a look there, verse 16. Paul says, um, then I will be able to boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. See what he's saying? If if they work out their salvation uh, all the way until Christ returns, then it won't be for nothing. Paul has put in such effort to take the gospel to them and he wants to know that it won't be in vain. That is what Paul is passionate about, the gospel thriving in their lives. Uh, he's given himself for the sake of the Philippians. And he uses two pictures there, uh, running and labouring, words from the gym and the quarry. Uh, both pictures there are about effort, uh, the blood, sweat and tears that go into sharing the gospel and sharing his life with them. He's given himself for the sake of the Philippians. And it's come at great cost. He's been thrown in jail. He's suffered greatly. Uh, that's what's behind... That strange reference there in verse 17 as well. Uh, the picture comes from the world of the temple and the sacrifices. Paul says he's being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Now, again, that feels slightly confusing. You know, I thought Jesus was the one and only sacrifice and now there's more sacrifices going on. What is, what is all this about? Well, Paul is using the temple sacrifices as a picture. It's not a sacrifice that's effective like Jesus is in dying for us, but he's using the the temple and the sacrifices at the temple as a picture of the Philippians suffering for their faith. Uh, He says it's it's like an offering to the Lord that he finds acceptable. And Paul says, I'm like a drink offering. The drink offering is like the extra thing that gets poured over the top of the animal that's there for the sacrifice. And he says, I'm like that, I'm being poured out along with you guys. And you have to remember the context, he's in jail. He's right now waiting to find out if he'll be executed or not. And he's saying, I rejoice. I rejoice if I can be poured out along with you guys. We should both rejoice. Suffering for the gospel is not pointless. He's saying it's a good thing. What a blessing to give yourself for the sake of others and for the sake of Jesus. Paul's ministry is a case of blood, sweat and tears. Now, if you know that expression, uh, you may be aware that 
Traditionally, popular culture has it that that expression comes from a speech by Winston Churchill. He was talking to the British public about the hardships that they'd have to face uh, during World War II, and he said, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears and sweat. But that's not where it comes from. Uh, the earliest record in print is from a preacher in 1837 talking about Jesus. And he said, Christ, the high priest of our profession, when he laid down his life for us on Calvary, was bathed in his own blood, sweat and tears. See, Christ spent himself for the sake of others at the cross. And Paul wants to give the Philippians an example of how he does the same, blood, sweat and tears, pouring himself out for their sake. So that's who we want to look up to, someone like Paul who gives themselves for the gospel. Here's example one. Uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus are example two and three. And on the surface, this section feels uh, kind of like in-house logistics, uh, just who's going where and when I'm going to send them and etc., etc. But it's not just travel plans. It's in at this point for a reason. Paul wants to commend these two as prime examples of, of what we read about last week. So cast your eyes further up to the start of chapter 2, verse 3. Here's what he instructs the Philippians uh, to do. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And now, up pop these travel plans with Timothy and Epaphroditus, and they are exactly that. Uh, Templates of what it looks like to live that way, to work out your salvation like that. So have a look at what Paul says about Timothy in verse 20. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, Timothy stands out. He is a template for you to follow. Uh, This guy gets it. Have a look at him. He cares about you your welfare. He's someone who values others above himself. He's an example of the mindset of Christ. And it's not just that he looks out for others' interests, it says that he looks out for Jesus Christ's interests. And they're not separate things, right? Uh, The welfare of the Philippians is their welfare in the gospel, how they're going, holding on to Jesus. And so, Uh, that's what Timothy's concerned about. That's what Paul wants to know about. Uh, He doesn't want to have to have laboured in vain. And Timothy's concerned for that too. Verse 22, Paul says, uh, Timothy has proved himself because as a father, as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. In the ancient world, there was no such thing as a careers expo, at least I presume not. Uh, you just did the job that your father did, right? And girls just did the job that their mothers did. And so, Paul with Timothy is like that. He says, he's like he's my son. He's taken on the family business of progressing the gospel. That's the work he's doing. And so, that's who we want to look up to. 
someone like Timothy who gives himself for the gospel. The third template is Epaphroditus. Uh, Paul calls him my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier. Again, these are pictures of, of gospel sharing. Paul's used the athletic metaphor and the labouring metaphor and now he adds a military metaphor, the way that soldiers form a unit, uh, the way they put themselves in harm's way uh, for the, the sake of the mission. Epaphroditus is like that. He's a fellow soldier, blood brother with Paul in the work of the gospel. But then he goes on, he's also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. And that should signal for us that there's a backstory here. There's something that we don't know about. And if you put together all the little pieces of information, it seems that the church in Philippi heard that Paul was in jail, uh, probably in Rome. And when you're in jail, uh, he was there, didn't have any support, right? And so they decide to send money to him. And they send Epaphroditus. He's the guy who's going to take the money across and be there to help Paul. And so they send Epaphroditus. At some point on the journey, uh, it seems he gets sick, right? And rather than turn back, he presses on. Verse 30, it says, He risked his life to make up for the help you Philippians could not give me. Illness was a serious thing in the ancient world. Probably wasn't heaps of pharmacies between Philippi and Rome. Uh, so it was a big deal, right? For Epaphroditus to get sick was, was really serious. But he kept going. Why? Because he counted Paul's needs higher than his own. He's another example of someone who has that mindset of Christ. Uh, in fact, the same phrase gets used to describe him and Jesus. Uh, both went as far as death. Uh, Jesus went the whole way. Epaphroditus drew near, uh, but God had mercy on him. But Epaphroditus is also an example of the tenderness and love that goes with gospel relationships. Uh, They're not just fellow soldiers and runners and labourers and kind of as many tough alpha male kind of symbols you you can muster. No, no. There is a deep friendship here between all of them. Uh, Probably someone travelling back the other way to Philippi took the news that Epaphroditus was ill. And they were devastated. Good chance that they, they would never see him alive again. And Epaphroditus arrives in Rome and manages to help Paul but the sickness takes hold and he might die. And Paul says he, he couldn't bear it. It would be sorrow upon sorrow to lose Epaphroditus as well as uh, to be there in jail. And Paul says, God had mercy on me. He had mercy on me when he saved Epaphroditus because of how awful it would have been for me to lose him. And then Epaphroditus recovers under God's mercy. And then he's worried about the Philippians because they've heard that he's ill, but they don't know that he's recovered. And he's worried that they're worried. And Paul's worried that he's worried that they're worried. And everyone is just, ah, because they love each other. They say, I'll rejoice if I know that you rejoice. Together, working for the cause of the gospel with these deep, Uh, loving relationships. 
listening in on this letter feels like a great privilege. Uh, to see this, this group of friends, really, uh, deeply committed to one another, uh, passionate for the Lord Jesus and His honour, caring for one another in costly ways, passionate for others to know the gospel, doing whatever it takes uh, to help one another to progress the work of the gospel. It's a wonderful thing to to listen in on and and see that at work in this passage. It does make you wonder what people would think of our friendship networks if they could look in on our group chats and what they are all about. That's just a thought that occurred to me. But that's who we want to look up to, right? Someone like Epaphroditus, who gives themselves for the gospel. So that's it. That's what we're aiming for tonight. We wanted to know uh, who to look up to in the Christian life. And Paul tells us there in verse 29, talking about Epaphroditus, he says, So then, uh, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him. Honour people like him. That's who we want to honour here at Union Church as well. Uh, We want to look up to people like that, people who give themselves for the gospel, people who pour themselves out, people who labour and run and fight for the cause of Jesus, people who put the needs of others before their own, uh, people who risk their own comfort uh, so that others might hear the good news of Jesus. So I want to ask, who do you know like that? I reckon there's plenty of people like that in this room. Who do you know that you could look up to? People who give themselves for the gospel. Uh, Let's honour those people. Uh, Let's find out who they are. They are who we are aiming to be. Uh, If you find someone like that, you don't have to tell them. You don't have to say, you're my Christian hero. Don't be creepy. Uh, Just play cool. But do look up to them. Use them as, as an example. Look at them to see how it is you work out your salvation in this world around us that is so dark, that is, uh, doesn't think at all about uh, the Lord Jesus and obeying Him. We need uh, godly uh, models, examples, templates that we might follow, people who give themselves for the gospel to see how we might shine like stars in the world around us. And ask yourself this question, could you be that for someone else? Could someone look at you and think, that's who I want to be, I'm going to copy them. There's someone, not perfect, uh, but someone working out their salvation. There's someone who gives themselves for the gospel. Just a little bit, a little bit like Paul. They're a little bit like Timothy, a little bit like Epaphroditus, a little bit like Jesus.